Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. I am sincerely excited, uh, but also humbled at the opportunity to be one of the communicators in our Christ Unboxed series. Uh, We have been diving into the topic of Christology, uh, which is the study of the person and the role and the nature of Jesus Christ. And so we have a theme uh, for this scripture, 1 Timothy 3.16. Actually, do you guys mind standing? Let's read this together. I know, we're getting crazy here today. And just in case I don't have the right version, I'm coming down here. Okay, ready? Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Woo! Good wooing. Good wooing. You may take a seat. Sometimes I have to remind myself, sometimes I stand to read scripture to remind myself, like, ah, it's an honor that we have this. This is important stuff. Um, All right, so we as Christians, we make a very bold claim. And in our modern times and in our uh, cultural uh, skepticism, perhaps it's uh, an unfashionable claim. But we believe that the man Jesus, the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth, was resurrected from death to life. Right, we believe that he was killed via a terrible death on the cross, uh, and then the supernatural life-giving power of God rose Jesus back to life. Now, full disclosure, uh, due to time constraints this morning, I will not be making arguments about the historical validity of this claim, uh, although there are some amazing resources out there I'd be happy to point you to. I am very grateful that to be a Christian, we don't have to rely on wishful thinking. Uh, But for now and for this morning, we are going to approach the topic of the resurrection with the default belief that on Easter day, Jesus was resurrected. And so the title for this morning is A New Beginning. A New Beginning. Would you join me as I pray one more time here? God, I am so honored and excited to talk about perhaps the most important thing, your resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. And I ask God that as I speak words and as uh, people hear information today, that God, you would do the real work, that you would open up hearts and minds to understand the things that you are teaching and revealing about yourself. I love you, God, and would you just do what you want to do this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to get into another verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 9. This is uh, written by the Apostle Paul. He is writing to a church, and he says this. For what I received, I passed on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. So Jesus of Nazareth after being very dead and buried for a period of time, was raised to life on the third day. And this wasn't just a resurrection of his spirit. Jesus didn't come to life again merely as a ghost, but he was resurrected in bodily form. 
Next scripture, Luke 24, 39. Jesus appears to his disciples after being resurrected, and he says this. See my hands and feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit, I was following the, I shouldn't have followed the TV. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus experienced resurrection of the body. A very new and improved body, mind you. Right, Jesus was not simply um, like a resuscitated zombie. But Jesus rose in a recreated body. Now, why is this important to us? Why is the resurrection so important to the Christian faith? And why is it important that Jesus rose again in a physical body? Uh, Early on in my adulthood, uh, I spent several years wrestling through all sorts of doubts in my faith. And I read a book, and it made the argument, or it implied that Jesus' resurrection was more metaphorical than anything else. Like, it presented this idea that, yes, Jesus died physically, uh, but he's alive today in our hearts and minds uh, because his teachings are still with us, right? Does that sort of make sense? Like, because Jesus was alive 2,000 years ago and is still impacting us, in that way he's alive. Now, admittedly, that concept is much easier to accept, at least upon first impression, at least before you dig into things, right? Not many people are going to say that you're crazy Uh, because you believe that after Jesus died, he remained a wonderful idea inside the hearts and minds of the disciples. Right, so why isn't that enough for us Christians today? Why is it enough that Jesus came to earth to show us a better way to live? Because he did that. Why is it enough that Jesus came to show us God's heart for humankind? Because he did that. Why is it enough that he came to represent God in human form? Which he did. Do we have to believe that Jesus actually died, but then rose again spiritually, but also in some sort of bodily form? So let's keep that question in the back of our mind as we work through some of the implications of the resurrection today. So we turn to the or- our origin story, how it all began in our faith, which incidentally, we share the same origin story as our Jewish brothers and sisters. And we turn to Genesis, the first three chapters. And in Genesis, we see a God who created the universe and our world with space and time and matter, and he declared that it was good. God created the material world and said it was good. And when it comes to the human race, we see that God created creatures, us, both physical and spiritual, with body and spirit, and he said it was good. He loved that about us. Right in the Garden of Eden, at the point when his creation was still perfect and untainted, right, we read about a place where heaven and earth were integrated with each other. Right, what we call heaven, which I like to think of as God's space, and what we call earth, which is, you know, our material space. These two spheres, they were not a million miles apart, but they overlapped. And they were both good. We were meant to be a people of heaven and earth, right? God designed us to be both spiritual and physical beings, and he loved that about us. But as we read, and as Adam and Eve were clearly warned would happen, the introduction of sin brought death and decay into our world. Genesis 2.17, the one thing God said, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, From when you eat from it, you will certainly die. 
So it's sin that corrupted God's desire for creation. Sin corrupted that overlap between heaven and earth. When I think about my yard and I think about sin, sin is like the worst type of invasive species possible. Despite the beauty that surrounded them, despite the closeness of relationship Adam and Eve had with God, despite the responsibility they were given, Adam and Eve gave into the temptation to discard God's one warning and sin entered in. And as Romans 6.23 says pretty clearly, the wages of sin is death. Right? The wages of sin is death. In a future series, uh, we will talk about why the wages of sin leads to death. But for this morning, the summary is this. When sin entered in, so death entered in. Romans 5.12 says this. When Adam's sin, sin entered into the world, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Guys, in a perfect world in which humans were to steward, to take care of, to reflect God's goodness into, in a perfect world where heaven and earth weren't separated, but they overlapped, in a perfect world that was created out of the goodness of God, death and decay entered in. And since then, I think we could pretty much describe all of the world's miseries as death in one way or the other. The power of evil, the power of darkness got a foothold in God's beautiful creation. This was the tragedy of all tragedies. So then what? What do we read? Did God simply watch this play out and say, oh, well, guess my creation project didn't work out after all. Guess I'll just leave the humans to themselves until they destroy everything. Did God say, oh man, it turns out the material world was a mistake. Space and time and matter, those are bad ideas. Oops. No. Instead, the moment we turned our backs on God, the moment sin entered in and death and decay began to spread through creation, in that moment, instead of leaving us to our own demise, God began his rescue plan. Right? And God began to enact a plan to deal with the problem of evil. And his plan would be achieved through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So let's pause for a moment. After knowing this about Genesis and how God created us so far, think about what it would imply if God decided only to resurrect Jesus spiritually. Would that not suggest that God only viewed the spiritual as important? I am about to compare a human being to a pie uh, for the sake of an analogy, so please don't sound bite this. But if I declare that I make the best apple pie ever, like I've made this apple pie and it is good, but then I decide uh, to serve the apple pie, and when I serve it, I decide to throw the crust away and I scoop out and just give the middle. My action has made a statement about what I value more. And if God made humans body and spirit and he said, oh, this is good, I love this, this is perfect. But then he decided when it came to his rescue plan, he was going to rescue our spirits and nothing else. He would be abandoning something he created and he said that was good. So he didn't do that. God allowed Jesus to die for humankind and then raise him to life in a spiritual form and in a recreated body to indicate his value on both the spiritual and material. If not, 
If God didn't use his life-giving power to transform Jesus' spirit and body, it would imply he doesn't love us as whole beings. And that would be a gross misunderstanding of God's heart for us. But there are these sorts of misunderstandings all the time, especially around the resurrection. Um, Another big one uh, that I have worked through dramatically in the last few years is when it comes to the purpose of Jesus' death and and resurrection. I think many of us who have been Christians for a while, we get caught up trying to answer the question, how do I get to heaven despite all my sins, of which I know God should punish me for? Right? This is kind of a question that gets circulated a lot. And then the answer is something like, because Jesus has been punished in my place. Now, this is not false, but it's incomplete. Right? That's not false, but it's incomplete. Because this, solely this question and answer give the impression that God made the world with a very specific set of rules to suit his fancy. And when we broke those rules by swearing and stealing candy from babies... God got angry, so angry that he decided to punish us with death. But luckily, God figured out that if Jesus died instead, we'd be off the hook. Right? But that narrative gives a very skewed picture of who God is and his view towards his creation, his view towards humans, even towards Jesus. Because when we look at Genesis, we see a creation that God loved, and then we see where things went tragically wrong when we turned for him. So maybe instead we should be asking the question, oh my goodness, how could God rescue and renew the entire world despite the corruption and the decay that came in because of our human rebellion and sin? Maybe we should ask, what could God do to get his divine intention for creation back on track like it was originally created in the Garden of Eden? Because if that is the question we're answering, then we have answers that are closer to by coming into the world himself through Jesus so he could defeat the powers of darkness and death which have enslaved us. It's a different narrative. right? Jesus came to die for our sins, absolutely. Make no mistake about it. But it wasn't because God was ticked off that we messed up his invented moral code. But because our sin was only ever going to result in us dying. Without the problem of sin being dealt with, without our sins being taken care of, death was our only future. And that wasn't okay with God. Thus, he devised a plan for the rescue and renewal of us and creation. And his plan reveals that he is a good and loving God. The type of God that Jesus refers to in John 3.16 For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Things went wrong in the Garden of Eden. God started his rescue plan through a people group to reveal himself to the world too. And then eventually we get to the time when Jesus is on earth and he dies for the sins of humanity. But he did not die simply to appease an angry God. He came to die for our sins so we could have life again. Right? Jesus died and was resurrected to reverse the curse of death and decay that we brought into the world. Romans 5.19 Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, that was Adam and Eve, So also, 
One righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. Right? When Jesus died and when he was resurrected, he reversed the curse of sin and death that we read about in Genesis. And he got God's plan for creation back on track. Right, Romans 6, 9 to 10. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him because when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. You know, so many times in my upbringing, I think I got the impression that Easter morning was like the happy ending to a story. Right? At least a happy ending to a really bad weekend for Jesus. But when we read through the Gospels, we see that the disciples never viewed the resurrection as an ending, maybe to the end of the power of sin, but it was quite the opposite. Easter morning was the beginning of something. Right? The resurrection wasn't a surprise, happy ending for one person. It was the turning point for everything else. You don't see the writers of the Gospels account say things like, he died, he rose again, yay, the end, now we wait. It was more like he died, he rose again, defeating death, and now we have new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And this idea of new creation is actually a theme we read all throughout the Bible. Everyone say new creation. It's also worth writing this one down, new creation. Right? We are promised that one day Jesus will return again in person. And at the time, we will be able to embrace him fully. And as we do, we will also experience the resurrection life that he possesses. We will experience the same power and life that rose Jesus from the dead ourselves. It's a crazy thing to think. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. What? And when he returns, we will be made new. Not just us, but all of creation will be made new. Right? New creation is the promised renewal of the heavens and earth. Not the obliteration of earth, but the transformation of it. And one day, heaven and earth will overlap again, just like they did in the Garden of Eden. And in new creation, Jesus Christ will be very clear that he is the supreme leader. Philippians 2.10 says this, The one who came in lowliness, that is Jesus, humility and even humiliation, he will return in complete exaltation. Then, indeed, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the idea of new creation. Now, clearly, we are still living in the first creation, the original creation, the world we live in. It doesn't take long to realize that we are still marked by pain and sorrow and rejection and death. The world we live in is still suffering the effects of sin on every level. There is this verse in Romans 8.22, and it talks about how the all of creation is groaning, waiting for the return of Jesus. And I feel that way, both when it comes to war and natural disasters. It's like all of creation is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, waiting. 
So although we here today, we are still waiting for the moment that new creation will come fully. We are waiting for the moment that God will make all things new. We are waiting for Jesus to return and, uh, and for his leadership in the world to be complete. We have hope and we are empowered and we are motivated by the fact that new creation life has already begun. It's already begun. And it began the moment that Jesus defeated death and rose from the grave. Hey, resurrection was our new beginning. Resurrection was the new beginning. When Jesus came to life again in his new and transformed body, it's like new creation burst onto the scene. Right? He was the first element, the first factor of new creation here on earth. And he brought new creation into our current existence. Uh, a writer, there's a writer, N.T. Wright, he's a New Testament theologian. He said this beautiful quote. He said, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of new life. The fresh grass growing through the concrete of de- corruption and decay in the old world. I love that picture. That same author, he often refers to Jesus' resurrection as the launching point of new creation. Right? In a sense, when Jesus came out of that tomb, it was like he inaugurated God's new world, God's new creation right in the middle of the old one. Right? Jesus, when he was resurrected, the purpose wasn't so he could start a new religion named after himself. Right? But his resurrection started the process of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God where Jesus is king, and where in the future, heaven and earth will overlap again, just like in the garden. And although that clearly has not happened worldwide yet, clearly there isn't a full integration of heaven and earth. In the person of Jesus, they are already together. Thanks to the resurrection, Jesus is the ultimate heaven and earth person. And Jesus, when he rose from the grave, we read that he returned for a short while to his disciples and his followers in resurrected form. And in doing so, he gave us a bit of a glimpse for our future, like a prototype for what lays ahead for us. Right? See, another one of the implications of Jesus being risen in bodily form and not just spiritually is that we were given an example of what lays ahead for us as his followers. And when Jesus was resurrected, it says he still had holes in his hand and feet in his side where he had been pierced. Right? These were the marks on his body that once were the greatest indicators of pain, but now they were indicators of victory. But these marks on his body made it very clear that although he was in a transformed body, he was still him. Jake Sweetman, who's coming to our Holy Spirit conference, so thought I should quote him. He said this, he said that God's resurrection is not the eraser of you and your pain, but the redemption of you and your pain. And one day God will undo our pain and our trauma completely, and he will bring newness and beauty without erasing us, without deleting our stories. We won't be erased, we will be redeemed. And when each of us eventually die, and then when we are resurrected with Jesus when he returns, We won't simply remain like this disembodied soul in a non-spatio-temporal heaven somewhere out there. We won't be souls in spiritual bliss forever. 
But we will have the same type of body that Jesus was transformed into when he was resurrected. Philippians 3.20 says this. I will tell you in a second. But our citizenship is of heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. After Jesus was resurrected, he could eat, he could be recognized, he could be touched, but he could also come and go through locked doors. His body was a transformed body. There's gonna be like a whole new realm of science in the future. And in Jesus' recreated body, he was now equally at home in heaven and earth, right? He could pasture both at ease. He had a new creation body. The best analogy I could think of, I don't know if my phone's sitting out there, I don't need it, uh, was when I was looking at my iPhone the other day. My iPhone's been dropped like a few too many times. It's actually been thrown a few too many times. Uh, it's been submerged in a few too many liquids. It's encountered a bit too much peanut butter, uh, but it still functions. It's no longer ideal by any means, but it still functions and I'm grateful for it. And honestly, it could stop working entirely any day here. I wouldn't be surprised. But one day, my phone plan will allow me to get an upgrade. And that phone will function much better, but it will still have my photos, it'll still have my apps, my memories, the things I like, the conversations I've had. Right, one day I will have a resurrection iPhone, right? It's funny, good, thank you. I'm gonna get back to scripture before I say something blasphemous. First uh, Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits, that means like, the first example of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through one man. For as an animal dies, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ first, then he who comes, and those who belong to him. We are those who belong to him. Right? Jesus is both the model for our future and the means by which it comes about. Right, we will one day be resurrected just like Jesus was because of the fact he was resurrected. And what God did for Jesus on Easter day is what he will do for all of us when Jesus returns. And just like the limitations on his body will be removed, so will ours be. Right, see, Jesus had to conquer death in every sense. He had to be resurrected spirit and body so that we, even though our bodies will one day die, so that we will be recreated and made new in him. Not just our spirits, all of us. Right, think about it. If Jesus didn't experience like a physical resurrection, then death wasn't actually conquered. Maybe death was redefined. Maybe if he had um, just risen physically, maybe, or spiritually, maybe we think about death differently. Maybe death is like our passageway into a spiritual world or something like that, our moral soul set free. But that's not the case, right? Because if Jesus um, was not risen physically, he didn't actually conquer the power of death as we know it today. And if Jesus didn't conquer death, sin still holds the power. And what's our hope for the future? 1 Corinthians 15, 12 says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. But we know that Christ defeated the power of death through his resurrection. And when he rose again, he didn't just redefine death, he overthrew it. And when he overthrew death, he overthrew all the powers of darkness that relied on it. 
And if death is the worst thing that could happen to a person, if death is the worst thing that sin can produce, if death is the worst thing sin could do to Christ, then the resurrection revealed that not even death had the ability to conquer Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Right? What more can the forces of evil do to someone whom they have killed? And if they have killed them, don't stay dead. Like, what more can you do? No, when Adam and Eve were created, actually, Beth, I'll get you up now. My, my uh, amazing piano player. She's not mine, but I just claimed her, so that's a problem. Yeah, we'll work through that this during midweek. When Adam and Eve were created and living among the garden, we know that God was directly dwelling among them. Right? God was dwelling among his humans, walking with them. And then, of course, things went wrong and a separation between God and humans took place. But through Jesus, God came to dwell among us again. Right? The disciple John, he wrote that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And what Jesus was saying, he was saying, guys, Jesus is like the new garden of Eden, if you will. The day Jesus was resurrected, God's creation project got back on track. And now we can pick up from where things went wrong. And when we join with Jesus, when we place ourselves within him, the ultimate heaven and earth person, when we join him, we can enter into and participate in bringing new creation into the world. Jesus set in motion God's ultimate plan for a new creation where the intimacy and the beauty of the Garden of Eden could take place again. And just like we were asked to in the beginning to bring wise order and dominion and steward the garden, so we can now continue to do so in our world. You know, when I was thinking about this concept, I was thinking about the house Josiah and I uh, moved into when we were in Revelstoke that we bought. When we purchased this house, it was, um, how do I say this? It had been quite run down. And it was completely full of all the belongings and stuff from the previous eight renters who lived in it. It was bad. Like, it was really bad. It was so bad that we had a one-year-old and I was pregnant. And it was quite clear to us it was not safe for us to currently live in that house. So we bought the house, but we worked on it. We removed things. We fixed things. We cleaned things. We beautified things. We didn't live in it, but we owned it. The ownership had transferred the minute we purchased it, but there was still work to do. Now, when Jesus was resurrected, we see clearly that his disciples declared, Jesus is resurrected. He is in charge of heaven and earth. Transfer of ownership has taken place. But surely upon first glance, it doesn't really look like Jesus is in charge. Or if he is, he's not doing a great job. world's a mess, right? But once Jesus conquered death, his followers realized, oh my goodness, someone new has taken charge, a new kingdom has begun. And you could think of it as like, his followers are like members of a company that a new CEO had just, you know, taken place and now they're going ahead and they're letting people know a new CEO is in charge. We got to get things ready. We got to do the things he wants done. For us, that means what we do now is we can bring justice to the world, 
We can work on removing the bad stuff. We can bring beauty. Every time we help someone, every time we create something, every time justice is done, love is shared. What we are doing is we are participating in new creation. We are participating in the work that Jesus started. Now, my analogies today from the phone to the house, they have plenty of flaws. But I'm trying to give us a picture or understanding that because of the complete resurrection of Jesus, we can now live with new creation purpose right now. Right, the resurrection of Jesus is the root cause of all our hope. Like we hope for God's renewal and rescue. We hope for the overcoming of evil and for the time when the whole cosmos is filled with his glory and his power and his love. Paul has a chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, theologians often call it Paul's great resurrection chapter. And if you read through it, you don't be able to st- if you read through it, you'll notice he doesn't end with like, Jesus was resurrected, let's celebrate the great future life that awaits for us in heaven. But he, he ends with like, let's get on with our work because we know that in Jesus it's not going to waste. I'm gonna actually read it. It's just too good. It's too- this is 1 Corinthians 15, 56. For sin is the sting that results in death, and law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, tenacious. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, what we do in the present will last into the future God has for us. I don't know how he's going to do it, but Jesus will use and transform everything that we do for him. And when we are able to grasp the importance of what happened, the moment that Jesus was resurrected, we will be energized to do the work that he has for us now. It's like we build for the kingdom that's coming, but we also build for the kingdom that's already come in the person of Jesus. Right, daily we continue to pray the prayer, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we go do it. And then we partner with him to do the work. Resurrection, it was a new beginning. It was a new beginning. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.